0: Hello podcast world I'm Jill McCormick I'm Robin Wall and you are listening to Afraid Not podcast we are going to talk today to Jen Jewel. Jen is a wife a mom and her husband is the pastor at one of the life churches she also has her very own podcast called the messy table so make sure you after you listen to this you go over there and kind of check her out too
1: and she is a great friend. I have known Jen since she was really, I think, even younger than 12 years old. But for sure, we, we were um, I was one of her youth leaders when she was in the youth group. So we go way back and have so many sweet memories. And today our conversation has some really poignant moments of authentic emotion as we talk about some times of grief. And then as we talk about moving forward and finding perspective in life, we hope that this conversation blesses your life.
0: We- You'll also get to hear a very fun story towards the end about when Chris Wall was in youth ministry. <laughs> Have fun! All right, here we go. Jen, thanks so much for coming today. I, I'm so I'm a little bit fangirling.
1: I'm so excited. Whatever. (laughs) We're so happy you are here. And I have to tell you all listeners that Jen and I go way back till she was a little seventh grader in the youth group.
2: What would that make me? Thirteen? Maybe
1: 12 or 13. Twelve or 13. And so sweet and spunky and always just fun and including friends just the kind of, those of you out there that know about youth group world, Jen was the kind of girl that you're like, oh, I'm so glad Jennifer's in this youth group. Jennifer Bechtel.
2: I think I probably talked way too much. So So
1: Chris and I have loved you for a long, long time, my
2: friend. A long time. Well, I'm honored to be here, and I love you and Chris. I can't even really start to say that, even on this podcast. You guys have meant so much to our family, to me personally. I feel like we are family. I know. I kind of do. I know. I do, too. Yeah. So... Yeah.
1: Especially, I mean, if you think when we get to heaven, we're going to like have a the same street or something. Maybe. Oh
2: yeah, <laughs> definitely neighbors, for sure, for sure.
1: So why don't we start today with just hearing about you and give us a peek into your life and tell us a little bit about who you are.
2: Okay. Um, okay. Well, before I get to that, I just want to say you guys are doing awesome, that I love Aww. this podcast <laughs> and- We're blushing. Robin <laughs> and Jill, you guys are doing amazing. Jill because- said we did <laughs>
1: Like, I've never had somebody I listen to on a podcast, like, in front of me interviewing. I've never missed a single one of Jen's episodes. I've listened to every single one, sometimes twice.
2: But I know so how much you. work goes into starting it, especially. Like, there's so many things. And so...
1: We've had a learning curve, for sure. Uh, yeah. And which we've
2: talked about several times. Oh, me too. And I'm still learning. There's still things that I am like, or I'll go back and try to like listen to early podcasts and I'm cringing a little bit like, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) So anyway, you guys are doing awesome though. we're
1: right there. No. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks.
2: No, you're already, you're past that. You're doing it. Oh my goodness. I love stories though. And whether they're big or small, I just, they're so powerful. And so I love that you guys are doing that. Thanks. Thanks. Um, And then to answer your question, I guess I should get to that. So let's see about me. Like um, you said, I'm Jennifer or Jen or whatever you want to call me. I kind of answer to anything. And my husband, Derek, and I have been married for coming up on 13 years. So I know. So Chris and Robin did our premarital counseling, which was so much fun. Chris married us. And And then
1: Derek and Jennifer got on a motorcycle and rode off. They were the cutest things you've ever seen. I don't want my
2: kids to hear that. Uh, Oh, sorry. I'm I'm just (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. No, (laughs) I. um, it's so funny because that was his dad's and Yeah, we were just looking for a different way to leave, and we only went a mile down to my grandparents' house and then got in his truck. Well, it was a fun way to leave. It was fun, but I hate motorcycles now because I just feel like (laughs) so many deaths and injuries occur, and so I'm just not a big fan of those anymore. Um, we have two kids that are sweet and very spicy. Hallie is 10. She sweet just turned 10. Yes. She's 10. Like a, she's like
1: Yes, that's like us. Yes. yes.
2: Are you the spicy one, Jill? Yes.
1: <laughs> I know. Shocker <laughs> that Robin is sweet. I know.
2: So, Hallie's 10. She's ten, fourth grade. And it's so funny because when she was a toddler, I almost died. Like, she was so strong willed and stubborn and. Mm-hmm. All the things. It reminds me of your Maggie who ran away Mm -hmm. from home Mm -hmm. and had all all kinds of fun stories.
1: Yes, that Maggie did that at,
2: I think, two. Yeah. She Mm -hmm. ran away from home at two. She was maybe two and a half. And she packed a suitcase and, like, went around the block. No, she didn't have a
1: suitcase, but she went out the door. I thought she
2: packed a bag.
1: No, she didn't pack a bag, but she literally said to the neighbor, I'm Maggie and I'm running away because my brother gets privileges and uh, I don't. She said that at two and a half? Yes. Yeah, I believe very it. She was verbal.
2: Yeah. And Hallie was too at two and a half. And at two and a half, she asked me, is Santa real like Jesus is real? And I was like, whoa, whoa. I wasn't ready for that. At two and a half? Two and a half, super verbal. Mm-hmm. Wow. Anyway, so, but what's cool is she has like just grown into this just amazing loving responsible leader it's so fun to watch who awesome. loves jesus it's awesome so how old is 10? she now she's 10 she's 10 okay. <clears throat> and then um our son jack just turned 7 and he is all boy he loves to fish and hunt and make weapons out of anything that he can find <laughs> you don't teach that it just happens it's mm-hmm. crazy yeah swords out of sticks and bow oh. and arrows out of you know,
1: anything. A pool noodle is a a perfect weapon of choice. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Um, And then we have a bunny and a flock of chickens.
1: Wow. And so
2: this is very exciting out on our farm of two acres. (laughs) Are
1: you able to have eggs on the table because of your chickens?
2: Yes, we are getting a ton of eggs. So we actually have like 25 chickens. It's a lot. Wow! So the kids raised them from chicks. I mean, they are in it, and now they started a little egg selling business. Oh, so, that's so cute! Yeah. I love it. So they get a lot, and we
0: had a teacher at our school that did that. Like she had chickens, and she would bring up a whole dozen eggs. Right, it was awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. I was kind of not excited at first because, but I really don't do anything. I mean, they, they do really do. They do it. the chores. Mm-hmm. They Derek built them a coop, so. That's the whole thing, right? Awesome. He set him up for success.
1: Oh, and you might want to mention to our listeners that Derek
2: is a man of all trades. He can do a lot of handyman work, right? He can, yeah, yes. yeah. He used to flip houses in college, and he's just really good at. He's good at everything. He makes you sick. <laughs> so you want, you're, can you be bad at something? I think you're please? very well
1: matched, Jen. Um, <laughs> very well matched. No, so, how did you all meet? Woo! that's a good story.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we don't have several hours. I don't think. No. The short story is we met
1: in college. <laughs> <laughs> is that as far as you want to go with that? Today? No, um, the
2: the shorter or the longer, the short, long version is I dated someone else for a couple of years in college. And let's just say as I've gotten older, I've realized that I have indecisive um tendencies because I am a peacemaker and I don't like conflict and I don't like hurting people's feelings.
1: we were just discussing
2: that. (laughs) And so I've gotten, I
1: I can relate. (laughs) I've become a
2: lot more self-aware as I've gotten older. And I think in college, I just, he was a great guy and he loved the Lord. And I was busy. Like I cheered at OSU and I was traveling and it was fun to have someone to go to date parties with. And, but I think, um, so Derek and I lived behind each other, And like, I took him out lemonade when he was mowing. I never, there was no cheating, nothing like that. But (laughs) I definitely came to a point when it was like, okay, this is, this is ridiculous. So the short story is I basically ended up breaking up with him and we started dating about a month later and then got engaged like five months later. So it was, (laughs) which was out of character for me because I'm kind of a rule follower and, you know, we should date for three years and then, Mm -hmm. but it was just God. It's really cool looking back. It absolutely is.
1: God's plan turned out so beautifully. I'm so,
2: yeah, I'm so thankful. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, for any young single gals who might be listening or dating someone, I remember my mom saying when all this was going down, because I had a few friends that were kind of, they acted like I was having an affair or something, or that I was like getting a divorce and I'm like
1: getting a divorce and they caused you to second guess yourself as if why would you do that and you were thinking well all my friends aren't happy for me or excited for me oh right
2: and I remember my mom saying like you get to choose who you spend the rest of your life with it's you have done nothing Mm -hmm. wrong nothing so if you want to break up with someone you've dated for a while it's fine you know and so I was I was thankful for that
0: yeah Mm-hmm. And I used to hate when I was younger and people would say, you just know when you know. I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But my <laughs> husband and I um, dated for two months before we got engaged. So we just knew.
2: Yeah. And that's how I was with Derek, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. And I think, this is maybe too much, but looking back, my journal was marked up with all these doubts and, oh, I don't know about this. And But I think I just, you know, mm-hmm. no one's perfect. And so.
1: Well, I have a memory of being in a conversation with you on a Sunday morning that you were able to come home Mm -hmm. from OSU to go just be with your family for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about how things were going for cheering and Mm -hmm. friends and your dating relationship. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking you, well, do you think this guy is the one you're forever? (laughs) And I remember you were hesitant and you you shook your head and you were like, oh, let's not talk about that. I don't think so. I don't know. I remember
2: my cousin asking me, do you think you're going to marry him? And I It's like it occurred to me for the first time. I was like, oh, oh, uh, (laughs) I mean, he's great, but so just... So uh, Derek
1: Jewell was your perfect match that guys had picked for you. Yes, yes, yes,
2: he is amazing. Um, Okay, I feel like this about me section is getting long. Tell us what Derek does. Right, okay, so Derek is on staff at our church. We go to Life Church, Mm -hmm. and we have since, I guess we were in college, which is kind of fun. So, um... To back up a little bit, so we were saying that I've known Chris and Robin since I was in middle school, Mm -hmm. so they were my pastors growing up and mentors and teachers, and like I said, you did our premarital counseling about psych coaching, that's what we call it, and have just been a resource for us for so long, and so I'm grateful. Like I feel like I talked to a lot of people who either didn't grow up in church or were burned by the church, and I honestly have such an amazing experience. I mean, you guys were just always so authentic and just amazing. So anyway, oh, all sweet. that to say, I just am really passionate about. I'm like, it's not a competition. I love your church. I love our church. And we're it's one church. Right. Like we are That's all in right. the same yeah. team. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. The yeah. big
2: C church. Yes. Of Jesus. Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. we can't all be fit in one building. So we gotta spread out. Right. It's a big world. <laughs> and we are all
1: on the same team, serving yeah. the Lord.
2: We are, yes.
1: And actually you, when um, younger, uh, before kids were born, weren't you on staff at Life Church as well? I was, well?
2: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Before
1: Derek was, isn't that right? Yes,
2: so Derek was in business, and he just has a very much kind of an entrepreneur brain and also kind of has always had a little bit of a pastor's heart, but definitely entrepreneur. And so I was on staff when we launched our South Tulsa campus for a couple of years, and then when Hallie was born, I stepped down, and then we kind of traded places, which was funny. He was in business, and for a while, we just kind of started filling this Kind of holy discontent, knowing that something was coming, and we were super involved, and we just kind of felt like God was calling us to sell some businesses and step into more and it really was a huge leap of faith mm-hmm. and pay cut and all those things and and then God just like he does he's faithful in one step at a time we he ended up coming up coming on staff and then helping open several campuses and um so He's been a campus pastor for I guess about I don't know 8 or 9 years and then he just in the fall stepped out of that role which is kind of new. I feel like we're still in transition. That is new. Yes. And he is leading our basically church planting efforts. So, Oh, it's good. great. How exciting. Yeah. And I feel like it allows him to use that entrepreneur brain and also mm-hmm. his pastor's heart because he's Kind of in a coaching role and really leading, and it's great. So, which campus are you at currently? We are at the South Broken Arrow campus. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, but he's not technically leading it anymore. So now we're just for
1: those listeners. If that's your neighborhood, check it out, friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is something that God has taught you, maybe in recent days or weeks, or or maybe even kind of a uh, higher up view of uh, looking back over the years? lessons that uh, you see that God taught you in your marriage, Mm -hmm. and as you've learned and and you've grown to trust the Lord more as a married couple serving God.
2: Anything Mm -hmm. that you would want to tell us about that or tell our listeners? Let's see here. Marriage, oh man. I feel like we're in such a fun season right now um, where, you know, the beginning you're trying to figure it out, and we always laugh how I grew up with parents that This is kind of the opposite. I feel like a lot of people fight because they see people fighting. My parents didn't fight, and so then I would get mad and, like, throw things and run and, like, (laughs) I need to leave. (laughs) And he always says that I threw a coat at him once and it cut his face and made him bleed. And so, you know, this is like, I'm so abusive. (laughs) But, you know, you just figure out, you figure each other out and... um, And then I feel like, you know, baby stage, we were kind of drowning and we're just in a sweet spot with our kids and life. And I feel like, um, you know, I'm thankful to have a best friend, but also a teammate because sometimes you just Mm -hmm. need to, you need someone else there to, to do the other thing, you know? Right. And so, yeah. We're thankful
1: Derek is doing soccer practice tonight with both kids so you could be here. He
2: is, he is. And then um, in general, I think one thing I guess I've learned in recent years, I don't know if I mentioned that I host a podcast as well called The Metsy Table.
0: So what got you into that? What got you to start podcasting?
2: You know, I don't even know. When I look (laughs) back, I'm like, what? How did that go? You know, I just think God was putting a lot of thoughts on my mind and I was trying to figure out where they fit. So I was like, am I supposed to write about this? Because I think that I process thoughts better probably through writing than speaking. Um, but then God just kind of detoured some things and it just kept coming to my mind, maybe a podcast and I kind of felt unequipped and didn't know, but then it almost, it just kept coming up and almost to the point where it felt like disobedience Mm -hmm. if I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of what you guys did. You step out in faith and you watch YouTube videos and you try to figure out how the heck to make it happen (laughs) and you don't really know what you're doing, but, um, kind of stepping into that. So through that, I just feel like, and over the years for my whole life, obviously Jesus told stories and we love stories. We relate to stories. We Mm -hmm. all have um, not just one story, but just so many stories that make up our everyday lives. And so I think something that I've learned is, yeah, we don't just have one huge story. Some people might, like "This this is my one main, big, huge testimony. But I feel like most of us, we just have tons of pieces that make up our lives
1: mm-hmm. over time,
2: you know, mm-hmm. and there's different seasons of those. And so um, when I think back, one thing that really um, gave me perspective and a different foundation for, I mean, I would say the rest of my life, basically. Um, and Robin, you know all about this, of yes. course. Um, but when I was a, I just graduated from high school, so it was between high school and college. And we had a tragic thing um, occur in our family. And actually, I was just reading an article this week about how um, tragedy and hard things in your life, especially when your brain is developing, how it actually changes the way you think. Mm -hmm. And so even um, my cousin Sydney and I will say that Sometimes we think more and more with thoughts, I think, than most people just because, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I feel like I just think differently. Mm -hmm. But um, so I grew up with a really close family Mm -hmm. and uh, my cousin, Justin, and I were like brother and sister. We were two months apart. We lived in the same town, went to the same school, went to the same church. I have very few memories without him in it. And he was, again, kind of like my husband, one of those people that just made you roll your eyes because he (laughs) was... Good looking, and he was an amazing baseball player. He was named player in the year of the state of Oklahoma our senior year and our valedictorian, and was going to be a heart surgeon and just, you know, loved Jesus and on road trips for baseball was sharing the gospel and just one of those people that you're like, really? (laughs) And he was hilarious, you know, just all these things.
1: Such a great guy.
2: Oh, yes, yes. And between high school and college, um, he was killed in a car accident that wasn't his fault. A semi-truck driver hadn't kept up with his maintenance, and his tires came off the truck and hit him, and um, two of my friends were in the car with him, and they survived without a scratch. Maybe they had a scratch, but they were basically um, totally fine. And I was in Tennessee with my friend Sarah. We were visiting some family friends kind of for outdoor adventure. We had been whitewater rafting and hiking, and some firemen found us, and in the middle of the woods and we didn't have Wi-Fi or service and, um, to the dad of the family we were with and I'll never forget his face as he turned around and, you know, I wasn't expecting him to look at me and I just knew something was wrong. And, um, so anyway, yeah, he, he passed away and I think that is still so surreal to me,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, like life and death is so strange. Mm-hmm. And it's bizarre, you know, for someone to be such a huge part of your life and then to suddenly just be gone. gone. Yeah. I remember speaking at his funeral and then, which somehow God did give me the strength for that. But then right after, you know, we're standing on a June day, it's hot by his graveside. And it's just like his body is being buried in the ground forever, you know, and obviously his soul wasn't there and... I'm thankful that he did know the Lord, but, um, so I think that whole experience just, obviously there are things in your life that wake you up, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's a death, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a, um, I mean, there's so many experiences that just wake us up. They kind of shake us and it makes you see life in a whole nother light. And so I think one thing that I really learned through that was that Life isn't forever, and obviously I knew this. One hundred percent of all people die; like we're all going to die. But just the reality that life is not forever, but eternity is. Mm -hmm. And you know what? On Earth, what the heck am I even living for? for? Yeah, Yeah. I mean we're all going through the motions on this big hamster wheel so often, just doing the next thing because that's what you do.
0: Yeah.
2: And um, and then I did go through a season after that that. When I was in college, so I went to kind of right after that, I was whisked off to Oklahoma State University where I, like I said, I cheered and, you know, I'm getting my degree. I majored in, or my degree was a Bachelor of Science in Journalism and Broadcasting and my uh, minor was in World Religion. So I find myself in the library all the time studying all these other world religions. So Buddhism, Mm -hmm. Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, and of course, Christianity and so, you know, my personality isn't a uh, outwardly big time rebellious, um, kicking and screaming. It's just not really, yeah, who I am. But inside, there was this. I mean, especially as I look back. Of course, we always mm-hmm. look back, and you can see things more clearly. Um, there was this just deep wrestling that was happening. You know, do I even believe this is true? God where are you? And if you're, if you're there, not, not just why would you let this happen, but are you, are you even real? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And a question that haunted me as I kind of was studying all these religions was if I grew up on the other side of the world, not in an amazing family who had taught me about Jesus from an Mm -hmm. early age, you know, would I believe this or would I be Hindu or would I be Muslim or would I be an atheist? You know, Mm -hmm. who knows? Mm -hmm. And so There was a deep wrestling and just a, I kind of think of it now as a sacred tension that I stepped into. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of crying and there was a lot of probably anger and all of the feelings really, grief, you know. Um, But looking back, it was so good for me. Not Justin's death, obviously, but um, I mean, God brings good out of hard situations, Mm -hmm. but I see how, you know, as I'm studying these religions, I'm realizing, man, these are all so works-based and, well, why do I believe this? Well, you know, and just digging so much deeper Mm -hmm. into the roots of our faith. And I remember trying so hard to not believe in God and to not listen to his voice because I think I honestly was, I I don't think I ever didn't believe. Mm -hmm. I think I just... Almost didn't want to because I was mad. Yeah, and I was hurt. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like my kind of, I guess, a verse that looking back, wrote it down. Let's see here, um, Mark nine twenty four that says it's the man who his son has been sick since birth and he's talking to Jesus and he asks him to heal him if you can. And Jesus says, if I can, you know, Mm -hmm. and then uh, Mark 9, 24, the man says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Right. And I feel like then that was a huge thing for me, but I even still have moments of that today, right? Where I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, why do I believe this is true? Do I believe this? And then going back to, so many foundational pieces of who I believe Jesus to be and why I believe the Bible to be true right. and why he is a solid rock and why he is trustworthy. Um, but I think, and sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but I think one well, thing- Well, we want you well, to- Well, this that. is your interview. <laughs> I'm used to interviewing other people so and listening. Um, but I think one thing that I learned is that it's okay to have questions and it's okay to not have- answers packaged up and nice and tidy with a bow, you know? Yeah.
0: And I think it's so important that you talked about wrestling mm-hmm. with that inner mm-hmm. and really wrestling it. My, my daughter took a world, world religion class mm-hmm. at college and it kind of threw her off for a little bit and mm-hmm. kind of messed her up. Like, mm-hmm. what well, well, these are all these different beliefs. What what do I think? Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, just the Bible says search and you'll find, yeah. go find it. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, she came back and was like, okay, yeah, I've, come to terms with some of that, but she had to wrestle with it. And I think Mm -hmm. if you don't hit a point where you have to wrestle with the beliefs, then you have to decide if those
1: are really your beliefs. Right, absolutely. And as Christians, we do not check our brains at the door Mm -hmm. and just shut our eyes. No. Rather, we open our eyes and we ask the Lord to answer our questions. We bring our honesty. Mm -hmm. We bring our true emotions. We bring our hurts and our questions. and, And we just come to Him... Nothing that we ask him is too hard. Mm-hmm. Nothing that we feel is too, it's going to scare him off. He loves us, mm-hmm. and he is. His ways are higher than our ways, and we can search and study and find so much peace. But you know what is also kind of cool is we're never going to be able to figure it all out, and that's okay.
2: Yeah, He's that would make God. us God, and, and we're not. No, we're not.
1: Well, and we're
0: supposed to kind of not feel. We're always kind of supposed to feel like there's something missing because right? there is something missing because yes. we're not. With our Heavenly Father yet. So there's always going to be that tension inside,
2: like, something's not right. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And just learning that faking it does us no favors. And so I think sometimes, and it's not the true Christian faith, but I think sometimes we are made to believe, like, oh, I need to just, oh, just believe and just hold it all together and feel like I have it all figured out. And no, that's not what, like, He wants us to press in. He wants us to ask the Mm -hmm. hard questions because, like you're saying, when we seek him, we will find him and he's big enough. Mm-hmm. Like he's not scared yeah. of our questions, right. you know, so.
1: And often those, those times of questioning and those times of struggling and wrestling, right. that is where we truly get our spiritual depth.
2: Mm-hmm. That's where
1: we go the deepest with him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He meets us in the sorrow. He meets us in the questions. That's where he takes us deeper to mm-hmm. know him more.
2: That makes yeah. me think about um, last summer. I had the very rare opportunity to go to Italy with a group of um, kind of creatives and okay, writers. And did I
1: see that you met Jamie Ivy there? She did. She was you on her on trip. The same yeah. trip. She was great. Yeah, so cool. It was awesome. And you recently interviewed a friend that you went. I on I did. Trip. Yes,
2: Kate, who was yes. my roommate, who um, an just, amazing trip. Yeah, and she's unbelievable. So um, unbelievable story where she lost her eight-year-old daughter, and uh, just tragedy that mm. I can't. I can't even imagine.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But what I was going to say, you were talking about depth and roots, and um, we went to this vineyard one day. And one thing they were talking about is that Tuscany actually has a really dry season, and um, they don't water all the plants. So basically, um, they were saying that some of the roots will grow so, and I forget what I forget the measurement amount, but it was it was it blew my mind how deep those roots will actually go to get to a water bank. And how they're sustained in the dry season because of how deep their roots can go. And I thought that was really beautiful. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like that definitely was a big part of my perspective and story and still is today. Because like you said, we're all in process and no one has it figured out. And faith is a continual wrestling match. Although, you know, it is faith. And obviously we can't please God without faith, but it's also faith based on evidence and based on real things that happen and real accounts. And so, yeah, like you said, we don't check our brains at the door.
1: Right. I hope you don't mind me saying this, but your story and the death of Justin and the things that, that God did in your life after that really are, they're just so tender in my heart because that was such a... An important and hard and significant time for Chris and me. Mm. And I would say that aside from my husband Chris's acceptance of Jesus as a savior, I would say one of the most impacting things in his life (laughs) was walking through the death of Justin Mm -hmm. and leading the family and leading the funeral. And then writing a book, writing the book Base. that God put on yeah. his heart, that was based on the writings of Justin, mm-hmm. and a devotional um, really geared for athletes that are in their young, mm-hmm. you know, high school and college years seeking God. Mm-hmm. And then a that life turned into yes, mm-hmm. the, the ministry. And we'll put column. that in the show notes. Yes, we'll we'll a we will. To it. Life worth following, and then that led to an ambassador baseball ministry. I mean, Jennifer, if I were to estimate. How many times I have heard Chris share the story of Justin and what God's done through the life and death of Justin, I would have to estimate, I would say maybe 400, how Mm -hmm. many times I've heard him in the years. And that's not an exaggerated estimate. That's just um, a piece of how God's used that. You know, you said that our journey's are sometimes big seasons and sometimes they're little pieces. Mm -hmm. And that was a really big piece Mm -hmm. of what God is doing in our home, in our lives, in our ministry, serving him and the people that we've come in contact with. And, you know, in heaven someday, maybe God will give us a glimpse of just how it all comes together so beautifully.
2: Um, I mean, the amount of times that Justin's story and the gospel
1: were exactly. shared
2: at baseball games, exactly at mm-hmm. camps in Nicaragua, right. at, I mean, all over. It was over. the story mm-hmm.
1: sharing about Justin and how we know Justin's in heaven is because he asked Jesus into his heart mm-hmm. and leading that and having a chance for baseball players to accept Christ right mm-hmm. there, right then. How will we ever
2: know the eternal impact of that? So Well, you guys anyway. have, I mean, stewarded that story so beautifully. I mean... It's just, I'm so grateful, and it's humbling, and it's, it's overwhelming.
1: It is overwhelming. And um,
2: I was telling my Aunt Julianne and my cousin Sydney the other day, I, I've had very few dreams about Justin, and I had a very clear dream recently. It was really interesting. Um, and who knows if, I don't know if that was from God or if it wasn't, but I think just, yeah, the reality that this life is not the end. Like mm-hmm. for those of us, I mean, it's not the end for any of us. Our souls will live somewhere forever, and That's so right. just the urgency, though, that it makes you feel, it makes me feel, kind of that wake up, like people are dying, mm-hmm. and this matters so tremendously because you look around, you look at our planet, you look at our own body, like we were created on purpose with purpose for purpose, like. But I think so often, again, we're distracted, we're busy, we're caught up on the hamster wheel of life, and we just, we miss it, or we don't ask those questions, and um, that's why what you guys are doing is so important, that's why, you know, as imperfectly as we do it, giving our life over to this Mm -hmm. mission, is because we believe in it, you know?
1: That's right. I was wondering if you would be willing to share something you wrote recently. I heard you share it, um, recently and I was pretty moved by it and I I thought that our
2: listeners today might really be touched by about what you wrote. So. Sure, I would love to. Um, okay, so basically to kind of tell a little bit more of the story. So Justin died in 2002 and my aunt and uncle and my cousin Sydney just some of the strongest people who have weathered so much. Julian and, and Dave actually um, had a baby between Justin and Sydney. His name was Tyler, and he lived a couple of hours. And oh, so just wow. tremendous grief mm. yeah. that they yeah. faced. And then last year, Dave got diagnosed with cancer and had the fight of his life. And this January, a few months ago, he died. And it's just like, man, uh. You know, it's just so much, and it's so heavy, and it's so mm-hmm. real. And mm-hmm. this is... This is our life and even more for Julian and Sydney. And then it's, sometimes it's just hard to wrap your mind around. And it's even harder because we know how good God is. It's so hard to comprehend why and all of those things. And Julian is amazing and, and Sydney and, you know, I think even in the grief and the questions, they're like, we know God is good, and we're going to keep trusting Him. And Julianne just keeps saying, you know, that basically the anchor that she clings to is, this is this is not the end. Like this is right. thank God this is not mm-hmm. the end of the story. Mm-hmm. It's not or the how end. depressing would that be? Right. But this is not the end. Like we will see him again. We will see Justin again. They're together, and all the boys—Justin and right. and David and Tyler—and so, um, so Julianne asked me to. Um, a few of us family members to find something to read at the funeral or to say something at the funeral, and I just couldn't find anything that was right. It was either too, like, chipper or too sad and dark. And and like I said earlier, sometimes I process through writing, and mm-hmm. so this is what I wrote. Um, it's, I just titled it We Still Dare to Hope, and it says, We have lost so much yet we still dare to hope. On the surface, all seems gray and dark, unfair and unknown. We have questions without fully comprehensible answers, another empty chair at the table, and packages without neat and tidy bows, yet we still dare to hope. We have an enemy who wants us to doubt our maker's faithfulness, who pokes and prods in a sarcastic tone. Are you sure God is still good? That he'll really do what he said he would, yet we still dare to hope. In the midst of heart-wrenching tragedy, one hard blow after the next, we cry, we grieve, we wrestle. Once again, we ask, why? We mourn, but not as those without hope. At times, our faith seems as small and fragile as a humble mustard seed, but our Savior assures us that's all the faith we need. Our God is not shaken from His throne. Our God exists out- outside of time, space, and this broken, fallen world. Yet our God enters into suffering and pain with us, weeping with us. Just like when Jesus wept with his friends over Lazarus' death, even though he knew resurrection was coming. This isn't the end, but a glimpse into a new beginning. A spark of light set ablaze to illuminate the darkest of nights. This world is not our home. We're merely passing through. No, we don't have all the answers, but we know the one who does. We can't see the future, but we trust the one who holds it. We have lost so much, yet we still dare to hope.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it is. (laughs) Have you thought about writing? (laughs) Like writing a book?
2: Uh, I've thought about it. I do um, content writing for our church and for some U Version Bible app plans, but we'll see.
1: Well, if God puts that in your heart, he'll give you the vision for it, and it'll be a beautiful thing. Thank you. And I want to read it.
2: Thank you. <laughs> it's so funny how we are so, um, I don't know, critical of ourselves, right? Or I think I definitely have that recovering perfectionist gene. And so sometimes you see things in other people, but sometimes in yourself, you're like, eh, I don't know. No, yeah. So. <laughs>
1: Well, we see in you that God has put his hand on you, and he's just using you in so many ways, Jen. Thank you. So many wonderful things that he's doing in in your gifts and your strengths. So, Jen, what are some ways you see that the hope that you're referring to and you've written about, how do you see that playing out in relationships and circumstances around you, just on your daily life or um, in your family or
2: things like that? like I said, my podcast that I host is called The Messy Table, and obviously this is Afraid Not, and so we kind of have a very similar theme. (laughs) Just, I mean, life is hard, right? Right. And so I feel like from the people that have come on my podcast, I feel like there are some themes that you start to notice, right? Mm -hmm. So we have all kinds of stories, you know? I mean, people who have these just huge, amazing salvation stories where they were literally a stripper in the... Sex industry, right, and came to know Jesus, right, or someone who you know maybe grew up in church and had issues with perfection and legalism, and you know, God has been so faithful in that too. And so, I think I feel like I've noticed that people either feel like my story's too bad or my story's too boring, Mm -hmm. and I can (laughs) fall on the boring side, like, yeah, I grew up in church and you know, was kind of a good girl, quote unquote, which is something that. We're actually trying to filter differently as we parent. Not that my parents did anything different or wrong, but just, you know, you, we can find ourselves wanting our kids to be good. Right. When that, the ultimate goal is for them to be redeemed and know Jesus, but we can get focused on that. Um, and then people who their stories are too bad. I just had someone on my podcast who had had an abortion in high school and then had become a Christian and later had this amazing, crazy redemptive story. And, you know, I, there's so many women that are stuck in that shame and silence mm-hmm. from whatever it is. Right. And, and, I mean, we all are, right? We all have sin. I know. Whether right. it's, um, I guess, in the public eye viewed as a bigger thing or Mm smaller. Like we all are messed up and we all have issues and we all need Jesus.
1: Uh, And our biggest problem is our sin. (laughs) Our own sin. Yes. Not other people's. And I always tell people with a
2: bad story, I'm like, do you know who Jesus was the hardest on? The Pharisees. Right. Who did the right thing from the outside, but who inwardly were full of pride and greed and selfishness. Mm. And so, and and you think about Satan, he fell from heaven because of his pride. And so, you know, someone who maybe is doing I hate to even say that, the right thing, because we none of us do the right thing all the time. But, um, you know, that's such a lie. As, as appearances would seem. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. It seems like they're doing mm-hmm. the right
1: thing. They've got it all together. Mm-hmm.
2: Really. No, 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 no. Um, and so I just think, you asked me how I see this play out. I think in every story, whether you are a mom who is drowning in diapers and sippy cups and you're wondering if you're ever going to talk to another <laughs> adult on the planet, Or if you are, you know, literally caught in an addictive sin right now as you're listening to this and you're wondering, like, I want out of this, but I'm struggling to give it up. Mm -hmm. Like, we all need to dare to hope every single day. You know, I talked about when my daughter was super strong-willed. When um, my son was young, he had a handful of seizures and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And thankfully, God um, just... He got better. God healed him of that. But you know, we all have things in our lives that mm-hmm. we see that play out. It wasn't too long ago that some of our best friends, um, she had an affair, and so in the middle of the night, we're literally at their house on the floor, just ho- like just holding. I'm holding her. She's shaking and mm-hmm. crying mm-hmm. and embarrassed. And um, I feel like every day we have to dare to hope. <laughs> Every right. single day, yes. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people are, again, I hear you turn on the news for two seconds, and it's devastating, and there's always another death, and there's always more cancer, and there's always hard things, you know? Yes. Always, no matter what. And so, yeah, I think that's how it plays out for me. It's just we always have to dare to We always have, we to, always dare to, have hope. to dare to hope. <laughs> yeah. One of
1: my favorite verses that talks about hope in the Bible says, that God is the God of hope. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll put this in the show notes, the exact reference, but it just says, may the God of hope mm-hmm. fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him yes. so that you may overflow with hope right. by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is not by our power. We can't manufacture that. It is that. not overflowing with hope by the power of your yes. getting up and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It is the power of the Holy Spirit.
2: That's so good, because I think in our culture today, that is a lie that we're being fed, is if you just try harder and strive for more and do this and do that, like, it's going to be awesome. And yes, there are things that we can do to make our life better. Like, obviously, God gave us a design, and we can live those things out, and it is a more joyful yeah. way of living. But we
0: reward that. You're right. In the in society, we reward it. If you're working harder, you're working longer, you're <clears throat> doing more things, yes. we reward that, and which mm-hmm. is... Sometimes it's just the hamster wheel, like mm-hmm, you said. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes.
1: Well, I was thinking about some funny moments that Yes, go... I would like to hear some funny stories about well, y'all's growing you up. Well, you listeners might get a kick out of hearing this. That goes back into the, um, the library of funny stories of youth ministry that... Probably happened in about
2: 1996 well, or something. I, no, it was later because I was a senior. <laughs> okay. So it was like 2000. Well, would it have been the year before my senior year? Probably. So yeah. yeah, like 2000, 2001.
1: Okay. So we're we're back in the 2000, 2001. And my husband was, um, he is a great minister. And one of the things that he's been great at for all these years is just great relationships with people and youth. And we were at youth camp. And he had made a big deal about telling all of the students, I am going to offer you grace. I want to tell you yeah. that you are, you have a window of opportunity right here and now until six o'clock today.
2: The grace period. The
1: grace period. <laughs> <laughs> to bring me any contraband items that are yes. against the rules. And he family. would always
2: say, and if you bring it to me by the in the grace period, no questions asked.
1: That's right. So that was the big thing.
2: No questions (laughs) asked.
1: And then if you don't and you're found out to have these contraband items that you know you shouldn't have brought, it's going to be all law, possibly send you home, it's not going to be fun, et cetera. Well, Jennifer and her friends thought they would be really
2: funny, and they were, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It was was the guys and girls that we had grown up (laughs) in the church and the youth ministry and... Yeah.
1: So who had the fun idea to do this? Do you remember?
2: Oh, it wasn't me. I will go (laughs) ahead and say that. I'm going to say Mark or Bryce, if you're listening to this, maybe one of you.
1: (laughs) And so what did you all do?
2: So I feel like either a leader was involved or maybe, I guess, one of us was 18. And so we went to a gas station and bought, like, cigarettes and chewing tobacco and... Like, just all those things. Everything
1: you're not supposed to bring to camp. (laughs) Everything you
2: could buy at 18, yeah.
1: (laughs) And so at 5.55 p.m., five minutes before Grace period runs out, here they come lining up and tapping Chris on the shoulder. Just
2: handing him all kinds of stuff. And And he's like, oh. Because these are supposed to be, like, his leaders, right? Right.
1: The leaders are (laughs) handing him the cigarettes and the other contraband and also another side item that is so funny with this story. What do you mean my other contraband?
2: Oh, yeah, condoms, and <laughs> I think there was all kinds of stuff, yeah. That's right. I forgot about that one.
1: And there was a camper there that week that was lost that was a rough young lady that we were so glad it had come to camp so she could hear about Jesus, and that's the right place for her to be, and she was struggling and really- yeah, just going crazy. Yeah. yeah. And Chris said to her one night while he was talking with her and counseling with her uh, and with another youth worker, said, just tell me- uh, what's the rule? Do you really just need a cigarette? And she said, <laughs> yes, yes, please. I really do. And so in, in the best interest of that young lady hearing about Jesus <laughs> time. and yeah. staying at camp to hear about salvation and have God change her life, he had an appointed cigarette smoke um, outing for her and that youth worker. Every not day. The, the youth worker didn't smoke, but she went with her to That we supervise. know. I mean. <laughs> I'm pretty and sure Millicent Galagli did not ah, smoke a cigarette. We love I you. love you that story.
2: I wish that we Millicent's knew. The, the kind of youth worker her. that
1: could be there to love that young lady through the hard stuff. So, yes. Anyway, that's so a true great. story back from the, um, <laughs> the albums of memories. That's right.
2: And I remember when I would go to Robin's house for a little small group oh, Bible study, and it was so great. Days. And one thing I loved is that we would get there, and she'd be like, she hated it, I'm sure. I mean, maybe you didn't. Oh, but it was just real life. You were trying to get kids uh, was in bed was and clean trying up to dinner and all that, and we'd get there. But I loved it. I was like, oh, it's real there life. There would be You're toys
1: everywhere and just yes. the mess and... And then I think one time, didn't didn't somebody wet the bed? That's what I was, was so, going to say, yeah, oh. is that uh,
2: you were having a hard time potty training Emily. Yes. She was a difficult one to do that. Yes. And I remember one time we had all sat down and the kids were in bed and then she came out and was like, mom, and she had peed the bed uh-huh. and you started bawling. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody's going to owe her
0: $5 for this story. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll pay yes. you
2: $5, Emily. But when I was potty training and crying myself, oh. it gave me hope, like, we're going to get through this and she's going to go to <laughs> kindergarten and she's going to be body trained. It's going to be fine. <laughs> so
1: the true reality of our messy lives. Yes. yes. And yes. then
2: another one, um, I guess it was maybe my senior little lake trip. We went to the lake and yes. Chris was driving the boat and threw me off of the tube like crazy. And I busted my eardrum. That's oh. right. that was fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Didn't we have to take you to the, Yeah. Um,
2: It was Daisha and Jeff took me, and he was, I think, pursuing her, and she wasn't having it at that point, but then they're happily married, yes.
1: Oh, that's so funny. Was she kind of giving him the hand? Like, Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) He was all about it, and she was either playing hard to get or unsure, but they ended up together. The days of our lives. (laughs) That's right. Uh
1: So fun. (laughs) Well, we, before we wrap it up today, would you share with our listeners some things you're loving, maybe podcasts that you enjoy? Of course, we know that you have The Messy Table, but if there's any other podcasts or sermon series or books or things that are really great, helps
2: in well, your I'd life. I tell you to listen to The Frayed Knot, but you already obviously oh, okay. do. Well, thank you. Because you're, <laughs> you're listening to it right now. Um, let me think. Um, let's see. So right now I am listening to a book called "The Next Right Thing" by Emily P. Freeman. Do you know her? Uh, yes, I've I heard her.
0: a lot of people mention of this book
2: on podcast. So lately. I have been following her. You know, it's funny when you follow a, an author or speaker for a long time, you feel like you know them. And yes, then, I mean, I realized, like when you
0: walked in, I was like, whatever.
2: Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> "I feel like I knew you." So <laughs> she um, she wrote a book a while back called "A Million Little Ways," and it's kind of about just how we are lived to glor- or how we are supposed to live to just glorify God in a million little ways. so not just in one way but in a beautiful writer. Well then she has a podcast called The Next Right Thing and then she just wrote a book but I'm listening to it on audio on audible. And so it kind of feels like her podcast.
0: Oh, I just That's heard so her cool. on Janine. typology. She was, I think she she's on been Jamie. on several, because and she's she on just typology
2: where they were talking about the enneagram. Yeah, so super okay. strong Christian, but uh, this book, the next right thing, I think it's called a simple soulful practice for making life decisions. I believe. But like I said before, I'm not the, always the best decision maker, and I can kind of get paralyzed in indecision. And so I feel like she's so great at talking you through it, and she has this soothing voice, (laughs) and sounds like this wise counselor that also loves Jesus, Um, and she also gives you permission, like you don't have to rush to this decision, and but you need to name it, and you need to. Anyway, it's great. I'm really loving that. to check that out. Yeah, Yeah, you should. I feel like I read a lot of like dead people so like (laughs) c.s lewis oh oh, yeah c.s lewis madeline l'ingell i love her and elizabeth elliott and Mm -hmm. they're all so great um
1: i have to say it was pretty amazing that you got to interview Lisa DeKurst. Oh, oh, she was wow. great. Yeah. She, she did it really good.
2: Yeah. I was about to say she did a great job. Of She's course she did.
1: Fantastic. And I got to hear her live at Falls Creek did you? in April. Oh. Oh, that's awesome. I loved getting to and I felt like I knew her because yes. I've been reading her book mm-hmm. and For her, so long. her on your podcast and on another and anyway. And her story and her perspective. Yes. Just God shows, is using her. Yeah. Right. God makes everything beautiful in its time, mm-hmm. including pain. I know,
2: yes. Well, you were talking earlier about whatever whatever the verse it was that you were sharing. It's in Romans, I yes. believe 15, 13. I'll put it in the show notes with the correct reference yeah. in case that's wrong. But about that hope that comes mm-hmm. from Christ. And like you said earlier, it's not manufactured. Like that is fruit of the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. you definitely see that in her life, which mm-hmm. is a beautiful thing. And in your life. And, you know, and it's life. just, it's cool. Um, as far as kids resources, we love the Jesus Storybook Bible because everything mm-hmm. comes back to Jesus. And it's awesome. Like they just, but they do a great job of like, I think you're, you're an adult too. Sometimes I'll be reading it and I'm like, this is brilliant. So it's really beautiful. Um, we just finished a little kid devotional called Indescribable. It's by Louis Giglio. And it is amazing because it talks about kind of that science and faith, mixing it together. And this is how God designed it. And this is how we can be in awe of him, but they're pretty sure each day. So we would read it at the breakfast table. And in fact, my secret is that I would always read while they ate. And then I would read because otherwise they'd be ready to not listen and get ready for school. <laughs> so
1: it's a good one. It's good.
2: <laughs> yes. So I'm sure there's a million other resources, but
1: those are great for us to have for us to check out. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We just, we're just so excited that you came. Thank you so thanks much. Again. Thank, thank you for you. taking the time and effort, and we just love you and appreciate you. And thanks so much, your your sister in Christ. Love you.
0: Okay, listeners, we just want to thank Jen again for coming and sharing. That was that was just so great. Um, one of the things she talked about was waking up to the true meaning of a life perspective, and sometimes when hard things happen it kind of wakes us up to other things going on around us
1: and you know we can all identify with wrestling with the doubts in our life and we can be honest with the Lord we can say God I just need help overcoming my unbelief I believe in you I love that about what she shared
0: we still need to make sure we dare to hope because it does take courage to even hope sometimes
1: and we want to give a shout out to Jen's podcast check it out it's called The Messy Table and we have really both of us have enjoyed listening to her episodes in fact I've never missed a single one yay for Jen I love you
0: and hers come out every other week kind of like ours do too so it's just you listen to it and then the next week in in a couple weeks you get a new one yeah and we want to thank Jennifer Andrews for being our producer
1: and everybody we would love it if you would rate and review our podcast please with a five score, we would be so grateful for that. Please subscribe. We hope that you are enjoying listening to Afraid Not. We hope it's a blessing to your life. We hope you have a great day.
0: Bye.